Alright Starfinder fans, I'm back baby. I have a special video for you today. Do you like having a cute and cuddly companion at your beck and call? Hey, down. Down boy, down. Get out of here. Stick your shit. Today we're talking about animal companions, how to build them, and what you can do with them in and out of combat. Whether you love or hate them, there is a ton of options for creature companions within Starfinder. Contained within the pages of Alien Archives 3, on page 149 you can find some specific rules around creating them, there is also a set of rules for how to manage health, attacks, and their general stats. As a GM, if I'm going to run this, I'm going to look at this thing mostly as a stat block with a skin around it that the players want to use. If you have a player who likes to push the envelope of the rules, then I would be careful with this and maybe be clear with your expectations. However, if you have a player who wants to have a pet or a companion and you trust them to use it responsibly, then why not? If you're a player and you want to set up your own animal companion, please talk to your GM about it first. And if you're one of those animal lover people, then also know you can't really have a menagerie of animals. I suppose you can, but you can really only use one at a time. In the rules as written, if you are too far away from your animal companion or you are unconscious, your animal companion cannot act. GMs, if the animal companion is too far away from your players or they have fallen unconscious, the animal must make a DC will save of 15. If it passes, the animal will move closer to its owner. If it's already beside their owner, it will take a full defensive action and do nothing. If it fails, don't do that, the animal will run away to the best of its ability to flee the harm or flee the combat. Whatever is making it unsafe. Now before an animal can run away from you, you have to have one. How do you do that? There's the good old fashioned way of going to the local pet store and buying an animal companion. In the Alien Archives 3 on page 143, you can find a guide for pricing. Now you could have a really nice GM and they could just give you one. That is almost always an option, so GMs do with this as you will. And of course there's the good old fashioned roleplay option. Side missions, going on quests, building that bond with your animal companion. Now when it comes to building that bond with your animal companion, GMs, there is a specific check something that they can do once per day to see if it improves or if it deteriorates. The check is one and a half times the creature level, rounding down, plus 10 once per day. And this would be a survival check. GMs, please try to keep at least a passing awareness of the animal companion's bond. You may want to have them do it once per day regardless to see how the animal feels about their their owner or their player in any given day. I would probably run a five grid system for how helpful it's wanting to be or how much of a hindrance it's actually wanting to be. A success moves it up by one, a critical success moves it up by two points, and vice versa for the failures and critical failures. Now when it comes to animal companions, they do not speak. They may understand your common language, maybe one or two others, but they're not super intelligent beings. If at any point you are done with your animal companion and you want to release it back into the wild, that is also always an option for you. Now just because you're releasing it into the wild doesn't necessarily mean that your animal companion wants to go. 
In order to do this, you would have to pass a survival check of 10 plus two times the creature level. If you pass, your animal understands what you're trying to do. You're trying to give it back its freedom. You're trying to release it back to live its own life. Now, GMs, this animal will also remain friendly to its previous owner in this instance for 1d10 years. If you fail this check, then the separation is not quite as agreeable. And instead, you would have 2d10 weeks for the relationship to be how it was, and then the, the animal just goes back to being indifferent. Now, if you want to create your own creature companion, do this with your GM. You can use the table that's on your screen now for some of the basic stats. GMs, please use this as a reference if you're going to have your players purchase an animal companion, or if you're giving it to them, please be aware that this will be counted towards their total gear costs. It's part of their equipment. Creatures level with the players. They don't necessarily gain experience per se, but they would just keep it simple. They just advance when the player advances. Animal companions have hit points, but they don't have stamina points and they don't have resolve points. In the event that an attack actually hits your stamina points, it instead hits the creature's HP. If you wanted to, you can add a bit of flair to your creature. There is some rules for creating NPCs in the Alien Archives 1. These can be found on page 141 and 142. There is some special abilities in there. I would suggest only using one of those. There is also a small section in the Pact Worlds about animal companions that would make a little bit more sense if you're running a Pact Worlds campaign. When it comes to your creature's ability scores, the stat block is going to give you a couple of options for modifiers or things that the, the creature is going to be good at. Its intelligence will always be minus four unless it says otherwise. And any modifier that is not listed or getting a bonus is at zero. Animal companions can also do skill checks. There is certain things that they can do that would be helpful in roleplay scenarios or just generally helping the party out. But animal companions can only use a couple of very specific skills. Acrobatics, athletics, perception, stealth, and survival. Survival is used specifically for enduring harsh weather conditions, following tracks, getting food, or guiding the party through some terrain. They can't really carry a whole bunch, so you can't load them up like you would in Skyrim, for example, with all your dragon scales. And if you are buying dragon scales, then don't let the dragonkin see it. It is also possible to use your pet in combat. Now, I would warn against this because it's very easy for them to get smacked around and beat up. But if you wanted to, you absolutely can use them in combat. If you do decide to do this, your creature companion can't be more than 20 feet from you. And unless you have the creature companion adept feet, your actions that your creature can take in combat are also very limited. If you do want to have an animal companion, I would highly suggest looking at the creature companion adept feet, as this does really increase the utility and the versatility of your animal pet. Your combat range does increase to 30 feet if you take this feat, and your pet can do more actions. They can take reactions, and they can attack on attacks of opportunities. If you don't have this feat, your creature cannot make attacks of opportunities. Having this feat also works if your creature is a mount, and I will talk about those in just a minute. If your creature gets hurt and brought to 0 HP, or just below half, when you spend a resolve point to gain your stamina points back during a short rest, your animal goes back up to 
half its health. Not all of it, but half, half its health. And as soon as your creature goes to zero HP, it is considered dying unless it gets stabilized or brought back to one HP. And if it's not fixed within three rounds, your creature is dead. So make sure you're taking care of it. Now, if you don't have the feat that I was mentioning earlier, then here are the actions you can take with your creature companion. Standard actions, you can attack, fight defensively, and go on total defense. For move actions, your creature can move, it can crawl, it can stand up, and they can also take a guarded step. For swift action, it can drop prone. And that's basically it. Now, if you do have the feat, you also have some full attack options or some full round options. There is charge, fight defensively as a full action, full attack, run, and also withdraw. And as I mentioned, you gain the attack of opportunity. Now, if you're a magic user who wants to get in on some of that sweet, sweet companion action, but you're not so good at the survival checks, there is a spell for you. Found in Galactic Magic on page 71, the spell is called Companion Bond. This is a level one mystic, precog, and witch warper spell. This allows you to forge a telepathic link with your chosen creature companion. The creature must have a intelligence modifier of minus two or lower, and it must be one of the following, an abjuration, an animal, dragon, mystical beast, or a plant type. If you have existing animal companions, the creature can also be a target of this spell. Now, an advantage with this is your mental link actually works as basically everywhere as long as you are on the same plane of existence with your creature. If the creature has an intelligence modifier of minus three or higher, it can actually communicate simple thoughts to you back and forth through this link. It would be able to communicate its general emotions, its feelings at the time, not words, but just that general emotion or the, the, the state of being. Now, as I mentioned, you can also have mounts. So your creature could be something that you ride on. Now, in order to do this, it must be one size category larger than what you are as a character. If you're going to get on your mount, you must be beside it, which makes sense. It also takes your move action to do this. Now, if you want it to be really fancy, you can do a survival check with a DC of 20 to mount your mount as a swift action. Don't fail this one, otherwise it might kick you. If you're going to be riding around on a creature, I would also suggest getting a saddle as it makes your difficulty checks lower by five. And if you're overburdened, don't think you can give it to your mount and just deal with it. If you do this, you can't ride your mount, or if you're encumbered and you get on your mount, your mount will also be encumbered. If you wanted to ride your mount into battle, you can also do this. However, you would need to have the combat trained mount feet or you need to pass a survival check of 20 every time you ride your mount into battle, or do anything related to battle while sitting on the back of your mount. Your mount should have its own speed, and while you're riding it, your move speed is replaced with your mount speed. So hope you picked one that's at least as fast as you. Also, if you're riding on the back of your mount and you want to swing at something with a melee weapon, you can do this. You gain the same reach as whatever the size of your mount is. So if your character would take up normally one five foot square, but let's say your mount is huge and takes up 20, four squares, you would be able to melee attack anything that comes within range, melee range of your mount. If you want to get off of your mount, 
Well, then you're going to have to do that into an empty space, of course. Doing so also provides an attack of opportunity. Now, when you are mounted, there are several actions that you can take. All of these come with a survival check that must be passed. For swift actions, you can drop to the side of your mount and use it as cover. This is a DC of 15. If you want to dismount quickly without using your move action, you will need to pass a DC 20 check for fast dismount. You can also fight from atop a trained mount. This has a survival check of 10, but it only applies if both you and your mount are attacking in the same round. If you fail the check, only one of you gets to attack. There is also a couple of reactions that you can take, provided you pass the skill check. If you are knocked prone while riding your mount, you can try to do a soft fall reaction. This is a DC of 15. This reduces the damage you take from the fall by 1d6 if you pass. If anything else would knock you off of your mount that is not being knocked prone, you can attempt to stay on your mount. DC skill check of 5. That one's not going to be very hard to pass. Thank you all of my patrons who have continued to support me throughout this move and this transition. Sean McM, who supported me in February, thank you for your patronage. And brand new to the table is Nicholas K. Welcome to the table. Thanks for stopping by, everyone.